Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Um, hi, my name is Brooke. I am on staff here at CCF. Um, and um, today I have the honor of talking to you guys about 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you want to go ahead and show my titles, we have Reputation Era, no thanks, or Sit Down, Be Humble. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so who here has a TikTok or an Instagram? I do. I do. <laughs> um, so I like to joke and call myself chronically online. Um, I pride myself on keeping up with pop culture. Um, like seeing all those pictures of Taylor and Travis that happened last week as soon as it was happening. <laughs> um, so I, like many of you, I'm sure downloaded TikTok right around the pandemic. And then when I was locked in my house for a couple of months, I spent a good amount of time on that app. I saw the way some people would just upload a video and boom, internet sensation. I wanted my own 15 minutes of fame, so I uploaded a few videos. Um, that spanned between October of 2019 to October of 2023, so pretty recent. That's four years, though. That's four years. Uh, four years of following trends and wanting to take part and upload what I thought was funny just so I could feel validated that, yeah, I am funny, or yeah, I can sing. There are some videos from my freshman year of high school on YouTube where my best friend and I started a band, but good luck finding those. I am about to put myself on blast here and show you all a couple of my greatest achievements. Um, so after about a year of keeping up with the trends and posting videos, it finally happened. I posted a video that got the most views ever. That's here. Okay, so in retrospect of all things TikTok, it's not a lot of views. Um, but for me, I was freaking out when I first saw this. Over 3,000 views. Over 3,000 people have seen me make a fool of myself online, and they loved it. Do you see that? 251 likes, 12 comments, and they said things like, I'm dead. Or, wow, that's natural talent right there. Or, Lady Gaga who? And then there was this one, which was the real kicker. OMG, I love you. I almost felt like Metro Man in Megamind. You know, like the, thank you, random citizen. Um, but I also took all these comments and likes and views, and I said to myself, okay, now we have to make a video that will get more views than this one. And so I kind of fell into the same hole that I did in middle school and high school, where I based my popularity off of how many likes my posts got from my peers. Essentially, it just kind of turned into, how can I get more? How can I get more? And to add icing to all this cake, I made this horrible, horrible TikTok. It was only the second one I had ever posted, and it was just putting Tori Streggy's face in front of George Lopez's face. See, like it's not good. Um, and as you can see, I put in all the stops to get it seen. Caption, George Lopez would be proud. Hashtag for you page. Hashtag FYP. Hashtag FY page. Hashtag George Lopez. But it all paid off because even though 1,800 people saw it, one of those people was George Lopez himself. <laughs> George Lopez commented on my TikTok, and to this day, it is the only time a celebrity acknowledged my existence that I did not pay for. So, like, why do we care? Why do I care? Why do we care so much about celebrities and people of the internet and the influencers and nobodies who have these viral videos? The memes, 
we don't know anything about most of the people who we see on the internet or whose movies we watch or music we listen to. And as much as I'd like to think that Taylor Swift and I would be best friends if we ever got the chance to hang out, how would I know? I don't know her. I only know the side of her that's on the internet. And I'm sure most of you can agree that the side of ourselves we put on the internet is usually the part of ourselves we consider to be the best. We find ourselves listening to these people who have internet platforms when they have done nothing to prove they have the best intentions. We sometimes take what they say as fact. Videos or posts like, the best movies. Take the Stanley Cup for fiasco of recent. That all started because someone online influenced a group of people that have a Stanley Cup, that having a Stanley Cup was a sign of status, and it just kind of snowballed from there. There are so many voices telling us what to do, what to eat, how to exercise, how to wash our face, that we can get caught up in the status of it all instead of what they are teaching us. Why do we sometimes focus on the teacher rather than the teaching? This applies to the church as well. The Corinthian church also admired celebrities. They prized lofty rhetoric and focused more on the teacher and what they could provide or look like rather than their teachings. And then once they had their teacher of choice, they would elevate them, put them on a platform, branded and marketed them, and then chose which tribe the teacher would belong to. The Corinthians, at least in chapter four, seemed to be very judgy people. They judged Paul harshly. They just straight up did not like the guy. And Paul later on in the chapter goes on to kind of mock this, but they thought of themselves very highly, higher than Paul because they saw themselves as being wise and strong and full of honor. They had finer things than Paul and didn't have to do manual labor. Verses three and four say, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Paul insists that their low estimation of him really did not matter, but it is what God judges that is important. Just like the Corinthians, we can find ourselves putting more emphasis on people and their gifts rather than the gospel they are teaching or singing about. We can find ourselves judging based on things of the flesh and of the world, but not of the things that God deems important. Today, we evaluate our pastors and churches, sometimes, I'm not saying always, on humor, entertainment value, appearance, or their skill at marketing. You can't lie and say you haven't thought about these things, and I'm sure at the minimum you've noticed it, even a little bit. You can think of the things that brought you to CCF. Was it the way we did worship, the room we were in, the way staff looked, the seemingly communal love of the chiefs? Just like we pass judgment on choosing a church or church body to be a part of, the Corinthians pass judgment on who they deemed worthy of leading them. Paul sees this and so suspends judgment even upon himself. In the end, he who judges me is the Lord. Paul recognized that he did not stand in perfect state of justification or innocence. And Paul knew his righteousness came from Jesus, not from his own personal life. The church was struggling with unity. They wanted to define themselves by what made them unique and not what held them together. They had an arrogance and disrespect for the work of the apostles. So instead they presumed themselves to be the teachers rather than receiving the instruction of Paul and the others. They went their own way, unknowingly searching for an identity outside of Christ. And we often unknowingly seek an identity outside of Christ ourselves. The seeking of identity drives us to preserve that which makes us distinct from others rather than drawing us together towards the same grace that should unite us. We today still have an immense dis disunity problem in trends, theological categories, denominational beliefs, statements, social identities, political parties. 
We live in a very individualistic society. We prioritize a person, whether it be ourselves or another person, more than the collective group. Don't get me wrong, there are good things that come out of the culture in which we live. We celebrate diversity, we encourage self-expression, and we focus on personal development. But that also means that we tend to overemphasize our differences. We lose empathy and sympathy, and we seek to hurt those who have hurt us, even within our own family of God. Too many times we are shameless in our truths, posting it on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, announcing our identities for all to see, and we are ready to pick a fight with anybody who dares. So how have you put emphasis on people and their gifts, their identities outside of Christ rather than on the gospel? If we don't worship God, we'll worship something. We only need to look around to see our tendency to cast ourselves on the altar of beauty, money, pleasure, powerful people, and important experiences. We, sh we worship with our words, but also with our time, resources, and money. I think of those comments, the ones that people left on my TikTok, the random people that I didn't even know saying such nice things or pumping me up. George Lopez saying he is proud. I would never say that I am one who cares much about what others think, but the way that I interacted with those comments or the likes on the video would suggest otherwise. Normally, we don't use the language of worship in this context, but it, that is essentially what it is. We can worship popular people. We can worship trends. We can worship popularity itself. In this new age of modern technology and social media, everyone is longing to be seen, to go viral, to have that quote unquote 15 minutes of fame. And we often find ourselves yearning to focus on someone or something other than ourselves. So shouldn't it be to individually and collectively acknowledge God, to esteem Christ and humble ourselves before him? But it is just so much easier to strive for and to want the respect and admiration of the world. I mean, look at Paul. He bounced from church to church, was ran out of many towns, was accused of starting riots, rarely supported by the mystery, arrested and imprisoned several times. So who today would want to hire Paul as a pastor or teacher within their church? Our problem is that we often want a middle road, a little popularity, a little reputation, but still have the anointing of God. Essentially, we want the power without the cost. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. It is not a shameful thing to be held accountable, to be warned of potentially destructive paths we are starting to go down. And it is why we have community and people we trust to hold us accountable. There are so many voices and inputs and thoughts and opinions being given to us that some, sometimes force at us that we can be so, it can be so difficult to determine who is coming at us with a heart of humility and grace and love. We have countless guides, countless leaders and teachers at our fingertips, but not all of them are someone we should listen to. Instead, it should be a figure that through the fruits of the spirit and the love given to us through Christ will wrestle with us and help us to grow a figure who truly wants the best for us. Paul is saying, I care about what happens to you guys. He wants them to understand what the point of it all is. It is not how they dressed or spoke or agreed with that mattered. By telling them to imitate him, he is giving them an example to watch and learn from since he couldn't just hand out Bibles and be like, here you go. The Corinthians were also like, Paul, you are weak, dishonored, hungry, and thirsty. You're poorly clothed, homeless, and beaten. You work too hard to support yourself with manual labor. 
People look at you and see filth and off-scouring of all things, and you want us to imitate you? Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in, in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod, or with love in a spirit of gentleness? Those among the Corinth who loved high-sounding words and their successful image had their own message they were teaching. Just like the random people of the internet who have things to say and messages they want to get across. They may see what they are saying as justified and good, but in the end they are saying what they need to in a way that gets us to agree with them so they can continue to build their platform and grow in their influence and power. But the kingdom of God is not about power or fame, at least not in the kind that's being strived for here. It is about love, love about, above all else. Paul had the true power of the gospel, the love of Christ thrown through his sacrifice for each of us. He understood how Christ's love conquers all, and so essentially in this passage, Paul threatened to pop the bubble of these puffed up gas bags and remind them of what our true commandment was what it truly meant to follow Christ as a community. Paul challenged them to embrace the paradox of the gospel that true self is found in weakness and true wisdom and foolishness. We are in a culture of immense diversity and we seek an identity of our own outside of Christ in the same way the Corinthians were. I'm worried that it might sound like I am telling you that you need to get rid of all of your uniqueness and all the beautiful things that make you you, to get rid of all the things that set you apart and instead follow God as a faithful blob like Bob up here. I watched this movie last night, still holds up. Which is definitely not the case at all. God made each and every one of you unique and special so that we can go out and be in all the places. Can you imagine if every single one of us here were made to be plumbers? We would have a really good plumbing system if someone, but if someone breaks a leg, sorry, you're on your own. God gave us the talents and gifts we have for a reason but they are to be used through Christ, not outside of him. Since the church was established and it has been fractured by pride and sin, and Paul knows that the people will not listen to him, he knows not all will follow the example that he has set forth of humility, but that he, they will continue to choose to argue amongst themselves and clamor for high power within the church. They had been fighting for who had, was their best leader, when essentially, if you think about it, none of them were. It's almost as if Paul was saying, you Corinthians act like judges at, at athletic events, qualified to give some trophy and to send others away losers. But Jesus is the only judge and you are judging before the events are even over. All wisdom comes from God and belongs to God. He is the one true teacher and leader. Verse six reads, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers. You may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. The Corinthians looked at themselves so highly that while God had designed the apostles to act as servants, they were proud of their own spirituality and they were somewhat embarrassed of Paul because of his weakness and humble state. We as a people and as a big C church are obsessed with the image of worldly success and power. And many Corinthians despised Paul and the other apostles because they did not display that image. They saw that the manual work that the apostles did is only fit for slaves. And for all the love for Paul and all the ways that we worship the parts of Paul's letters that fuel our systematic theologies, we sure don't have a hard time kicking Paul's teaching to the curb when it suits us. 
because we are arrogant. It seems almost as though we have no respect for the teachings of the apostles, except for when it suits us or our doctrinal quotes. We don't actually want to, listen, want to love in the way that Jesus calls us to love. We don't actually want to listen to Paul. We sure aren't going to do what he says if we don't like it. We're Americans, after all. We don't answer to anybody, which is exactly what the Corinthians are saying. It is so much easier to follow someone and their teachings if we agree with what they're saying, rather than being challenged by those who are following God's word and pointing out how we can change, be uncomfortable, and grow, because that's what the gospel calls us to do. This kind of ties back into how individualistic we are, how when it comes to the people we listen to and follow, it's easier to do with someone who won't push us to rely on others. It's when we face the things that are uncomfortable and tell others that we need help to learn and understand that we can grow. Like Paul talked about in the first couple chapters of Corinthians, if we think we have it all figured out, we really know nothing. But if you are afraid of being wrong, of never challenging what you think to be right, you are no longer seeking the truth. It's a good idea to look for and to find the right perspective on church and church leaders, or we will incorrectly assume that the purpose of church gatherings is to promote people and their gifts and not the gospel. Paul says that church leaders are servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. None of us are perfect, but neither were we made to be perfect. The apostles were not to be overvalued, for they were ministers, not masters, masters, stewards, not lords. They were servants of Christ and no more, though they were servants of the highest rank that had, to care of, that had care of his household, that they were to provide for the rest and appoint and direct their work. For even they were but servants of Christ, employed in his work and sent on his errand and dispensers of the mysteries and truths of God, which had been hidden from the world. They had no authority to propagate their own desires, but to spread Christ. As an apostle, Paul says, he is a fool for Christ's sake, weak, hungry, homeless, reviled, persecuted, slandered, and considered the scum of the earth. Leading others requires great humility, which was not seen in the teachers in Corinth. Paul wants us to keep an image in mind as we consider our teachers. Rather than viewing our teachers as rhetorics using eloquent words or and sayings upon their pedestals, we should envision teachers as servants. And in that image, with that language, there is only one true teacher, and that is Christ. When Paul uses the term mystery, he does not mean to imply that cannot be figured out, something that cannot be figured out. It refers instead to the truths that God knew before time and now has revealed to his people. Paul used mystery language to describe the gospel of Jesus. God entrusted his servants with the faithful stewardship of this mystery as they taught the gospel. When describing the apostles, Paul used the Greek word huperetes, I think I pronounced that right, which described a subordinate servant functioning as a free man. Huperetes means an under rower, in the sense that someone is a rower in a big, on a big galley ship. So, though it is not the most lowly word for servant, it is certainly not the most prestigious position. Under rowers serve Christ, the master pilot, helping forward the ship of the church. The under rower is one that, who acts under direction and asks no question, one who does the thing he is appointed to, to do without hesitation, and one who reports only to the one who is over him. So how can we find good leaders, build good leaders, and become good leaders? How can we ensure that the people we spend our time surrounded by, listening to, watching, how can we ensure that we are not taking the platform that they have created 
the image that they have presented to us and using that to evaluate and choose who to follow? Why do we choose the people we do to have a platform? And what are their intentions? Why do we sometimes strive for that same platform? I strive for that platform, not to say anything of substance, not to make a statement, just for the sake of having that platform. For saying I had some sort of power, I knew that if someone saw a video that I had posted, then I selfishly took up a single part of their day. And, it didn't, and I didn't feel it with anything good. We need to view ourselves as servants and not celebrities, not to strive to go viral within the world of Christ or to create a persona outside of Christ to get people to follow us. It is the gospel and not people and their gifts that should unify the church and propel it forward in their mission, in its mission. In Peter's first letter, he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may glorify through Jesus Christ. All of us can be leaders, all of us can become teachers, anywhere, in each of our communities around campus, around Kirksville, around our hometowns, we can be leaders and teachers by the way we live our lives through showing Christ's sacrificial love in our everyday life. And leading looks different for each person. By giving us spiritual gifts, God empowers us to lead through wisdom, discernment, and love. We are called to lead by example using our spiritual gifts to serve others selflessly and to, the point, and to point them to the love and grace of Christ. These gifts enable us to fulfill our callings as servants and ambassadors. We can all be leaders in Christ, and when it comes to choosing who leads us, find those that lead with the humility and love of Christ. If we keep to ourselves, however, rely on the sureness of what we know to be true, and surround ourselves with those who think the same, we will never grow. Never fully to see the ways in which Christ works through our communities and through our fellowships. To be able to have a place where we can wrestle together and try to figure out what all this means is a beautiful thing. And there are people online, in person, on the news, who want to take the division of our lives and use it against us. To pit us against each other, to take our passions and persuade us to use the gifts that God has given us in a way that goes against the commandment to love. So let us choose to be humble and gracious in giving. Let us choose to be servants of our communities and be a servant for Christ. Will you please pray with me? Lord, there are many distractions in this world, ways in which we are being pulled apart in many different directions. There are so many things that we are told we should focus on, people we should follow, when really it is you we should be looking towards. To your son that you sent to die on the cross for us, to the love that you have for each and every one of us. Help us to remember that every single day we should strive to be a living example of your love and mercy, to use the gifts that you have given us in this community and the communities you have given us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.